this is Nana. And I'm Bonquillo, and this is African.American. This is a show where we take a closer look at a subset of the African diaspora, the children of African immigrants growing up in America. We call ourselves African.Americans out of respect for the fact that the hyphen between the two words denotes a particular community, history, and culture. This show is going to take a look at how they overlap, intersect, and at times don't touch at all. <laughs> So why this show, you ask, and why now? Well, this show was actually born from a WhatsApp conversation, or several WhatsApp conversations about our experiences in the United States. Most are aware that conversations about blackness aren't as nuanced as they should be or could be. I want to change that and create a space where African-Americans can complicate the landscape a little. We plan to talk about a variety of issues on the podcast, from serious themes to more jovial ones and everything in between. So we want to start each show with a segment we're calling Konkonsa, is that right? Yeah, Konkonsa. Konkonsa, mm. or gossip in Twi? Yes, in Tree or Akan. Tree yes. or Akan, okay. From Ghana. From yes, Ghana. Yes. But interestingly enough, there's also a word in Sierra Leone called that's Kongosa, and it's not, it doesn't mean gossip, but it means like the person who participates in that stuff. You know sometimes so. they steal a language, so. Um, or they're just like tons of, overlap between African okay, cultures. We can call but that, we'll that, get we'll into that later. Mm-hmm. For our Konkonsa piece today, our segment today, we, we take something from African or African.American news and discuss it. And for our inaugural episode, we're going to talk about Awesomely Lovey or Lovey Ajayi. Uh, she's a Nigerian author, speaker, and digital strategist and got her start on her blog, Awesomely Lovey, where she wrote social and pop culture commentary. So back, probably way back now in mid-August, it feels like, uh, Lovey made the following Twitter post. Someone suggested Tevin Campbell to sing at Aretha's tribute. Under what rock did they pull that name from? Was she lying? Well, I mean, the reaction on Black Twitter was pretty swift. Uh, And people did feel she was lying, but I think it's because they took her comments and they interpreted it a particular way. So for those of you who don't know, Tevin Campbell has an amazing voice. He was a popular teen R&B star from the early 90s, maybe late 80s. I don't know. Um, I was only born in the 80s, so I'm not sure. If you're, (laughs) but if you're old enough, you'll remember the episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when he serenades Ashley, you know, he's a happy birthday, dear Ashley. Yeah, I don't want to hear me saying, but that... I'm sure they don't want you. Yeah, but it was something like that. The whole point is that's a pretty iconic like clip from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was um, Tevin Campbell. Okay. The whole point of it was that Ashley wanted to, like, whatever. He was a teen star, and so Ashley was, was really psyched to have him at her birthday party. Gotcha. Um, Black Twitter, Twitter interpreted Lovey's comment to mean that Tevin Campbell can't sing, or she doesn't know who Tevin Campbell is, and that's... But, uh, I mean, a part of that was also Black Twitter going after Lovey for certain comments she's made in the past, uh, comments that they felt have been anti-African-American, comments where she's kind of disparaged uh, HBCU, saying that, you know, she wouldn't send her child to an HBCU. Oh, wow, she Um, said that? Oh, she made that comment um, on Twitter. And so people people just, you know, as as soon as she makes um, comments about African-American culture, um, full it and they're like, yep, that's lovey. She makes these cultural references and cultural commentary on, on our culture, but she doesn't really love our culture. Yeah, but I think that, like, the 
for me, the biggest issue was the the comments that said like, shut up, but don't talk about black culture at all. You don't have any, like you don't own any of this space. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was just kind of like, okay, regardless of the comments that she's made in the past, simply asking or stating that Tevin Campbell is a name we haven't heard in a long time shouldn't be enough to disqualify you from blackness. Yeah. Um, and she was not wrong. Tevin Camp. I mean, I mean, at Aretha's funeral, I think he would have been, we would have done better than Ariana Grande and we wouldn't have had booby gate as well. Right. (laughs) Cause you know, the pastor with the grabby hands, I don't think he would have done that too. You never know girl. Well, you never know, but I mean, that's another, whatever problems within different communities, religious and not religious, another thing. But I just, just found that like the lovey thing was, it felt personal because Mm, she is African dot American. And it's like, it does speak to this thing of like, when can we speak about each other's cultures? It is hard because in the U.S. we're black. Everybody's black, and that's how we're all viewed, right? The police—they don't shoot me. They—they—they, they, they, you know, they—they—they they, uh, they killed. What was that? There was a man in the early '90s. I want to say Amadou Diallo. Uh, he was black, and they had no trouble abusing him and, you know, murdering him in yeah, an awful way, yeah. in the same way that a lot of African Americans are shot yeah. um, and killed now. Um, but at the same time, like we are different. And it's hard to know where the swim lanes are. Mm-hmm. I think um, I thought about Black Panther, mm. which we'll probably talk about in another episode, but it was sort of, you know, it was interesting to see some of the representations or interpretations, I should say, not mm-hmm. representations, mm-hmm. interpretations of Africanness, African, yeah. African print, yeah. African face paints, yeah. um, things that I think are. No, I think things that I know that are practically sacred in certain cultures and communities that I won't do. Like, for instance, I won't wear, like, kente cloth. Because mm. I don't and know... You know, it's symbolic. Kente cloth is symbolic in the Ashanti culture, at least, um, for me. You wear like, it to important events. Right, the real, the real kente cloth, yeah. right? Not the stuff that's, like, kind of, like, yeah. out there on T-shirts yeah. and things. But then I understand, like, it has a certain symbolism within, like, the African-American community as yeah. well. But I just think it was interesting that, like, for me, when I saw people, even with the face paint, which, which I don't know, that really struck a nerve with me. I think mm. face paints and tattoos are, like, so cultural. And yeah. people did it. I was just kind of like, you know what? This is a day for us all. This is a time for us all. Wakanda forever. <laughs> We're just going to roll with it. And then a few months later, Lavia Jaye says, makes a joke, a bad joke, not a particularly funny one. And people, like grill her and read her mm-hmm. in such a way that like yeah maybe it is personal and if she did say things about the hbcus and that's probably something we could so I'm, I'm not trying to defend lovey here but she she expressed her opinion and you know you shouldn't you should take her with a grain of salt it's her opinion everybody is entitled to their opinion i mean every, nah, everybody's uh, not entitled to their opinion there's certain well. opinions i don't want to hear <laughs> <laughs> well don't, then don't read it don't follow her on twitter I don't, <laughs> but I just mean that, like, I don't think it's easy. It's hard to me. It's also hard to be like, well, if you, you don't have to hear, you don't have to listen to Lovey if you don't like mm. it. There are certain ways that we can frame our opinions that are respectful Textful to the communities that we're talking you. about. Yeah. And I think that I don't know the context for the HBCU mm. comment. And I, I, I will say that I do know that that's a, that's not like something that I've never heard. I definitely mm. know people. Yeah. I'm related to people who feel that way and they have particular reasons yeah. for yeah. that. Um, so I don't know what she said or didn't say, 
but at the same time being like, don't talk about black culture. You know, it was like, I mean, nobody, I didn't see that, but it was like, bitch, <laughs> right? Like, that's how I felt. And I was like, wait, wait, yeah. I can't now because I, um, I grew up in America. I read as black. Yeah. People interpret like certain things that I do to be black things. So to tell me that I can't say any, it felt like you were telling me I can't say anything. Yeah. And that's what hurt. It, it actually, it's funny that you brought up Black Panther in, in this conversation because there, there is also this, um, there's also this thought going on in the Black community, at least that, you know, for example, for Cynthia Arrivo, uh, apparently she's been cast as uh, uh, Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, yeah. The next kind of Harriet Tubman biopic. And folks are upset because she's British-born, um, Niger- Nigerian. Uh, Nigerian descent. And folks are like, you know, she can't, how is she representing this th- this icon in the black community? And she's not even considered African-American. But Black Panther has a whole bunch of African-Americans. Who are African-Americans who are, who are, those accents were, depi- the depicting. movie was beautiful. I, there were scenes when T'Challa came out for his coronation ceremony. I literally <laughs> cried. I teared up because yeah. I recognized the fact. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about it now and I'm tearing up because I recognize the fabric. I was like, oh my God, so much attention to detail. Yeah. But them accents, yeah. y'all. Forrest Whitaker re- resurrected the one from <laughs> Last King of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> that had me dying. Uh, the Jabari oh my dude. God. Was, I know um, he's beautiful, but like, I don't know. People thought that he had an Igbo accent. I. Uh, uh, it was funny because the Yoruba people saying, oh, yeah, he sounded Nigerian, well, but, but, but Is that the Kenyan, the British actor? No, from, no, no. Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, Daniel didn't even have a Kenyan accent. I was like, where is that from? Yeah, I don't know what that was. So the accents were a little, in terms of authenticity, but we can talk about Black Panther later. I think we don't, I'm, I, I, loved the, I loved the movie, but the whole point was like, it, there was a lot of attention to detail. Mm. There was a lot of respect for African culture. Mm. There were things that we can like debate and be like, and this wasn't quite an accurate representation, but like we don't want to do that because yeah. it was still a beautiful. It was movie. a beautiful. I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from the movie, but it, it's interesting to me that you know African Americans can play Africans um, and African Americans can also participate in African culture, and that's fine. But whenever you have an African doing that, folks take it the wrong way or well, are questioning I think, it. I think it's not quite that because I do think that like with this British actor, I think what it is is that the idea of black British actors in particular. Now we know, you know, one of the chief ones, one of the chief ones is, you know, Brother Idris, who is Sierra he's, oh. he's both Sierra Leonean and Nigerian, but he's Elba, his father is Elba. That, you know, I thought he was Ghanaian. His mama hey. is Ghanaian, his papa is you Elba. You see how she did, she tried not to claim that. <laughs> He's Try. half and half. We can share but him. But she's Ghanaian. You know we are. We, we, we go by the mother's No, we go by. Well, no, we're, we're not in that matrilineal We are. <laughs> no, we, we are. Well, in my culture, we are. Okay, but in Sierra Leone, you go by the father. And he's an Elba. Yeah, well. He's an Elba. The Elbas are from Sierra Leone. He is Sierra Leonean. Mm. The point being, though, that he's... Cl- there is... I know I've seen something with um, Samuel Jackson talking about this topic and saying, like, there is... This, inter- this idea yeah, that people that who too. are British are yeah. classically trained. Yeah. I do think that that is problematic because if you are Thank picking you. people because of like this stereotype of British people somehow being better actors, mm-hmm. that is tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that this woman is, I think she'd do a great job as Harriet Tubman. I don't think you need, I'm a Marylander. Oh, let me, let me start. We are both Marylanders, yeah, right? Are. I grew up in Maryland. Harriet Tubman, like when I heard that she was going to be on that $10 bill, oh, I cried again. Yeah. I love crying. 
It was such, I'm noticing that theme. It's such know. an important day. You know, <laughs> Marilyn is kind of weird in that, like, they love Harriet Tubman, but we don't talk about the fact that she had to run away because she was a slave. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Frederick Douglass, too. Like, two of the most iconic Marylanders. And we're like, um, but they couldn't be who they were in your state. Yeah. Um, so I... I mean, I don't know. I feel like I, I could play Harriet Tubman. I played Sojourner Truth in, like, school plays and things, and I think I did a damn good job. But I wonder if people would question you doing it versus yeah, that's, Cynthia, who, who's who's never really... I don't know if she's yeah, ever but I in think, the U.S. or I think the hard for part a long is period that, of time, like, at least. But the hard part is that, like, the reason why there are British people, Black people in Britain is because of the same so, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. It's about... Excellent your, point. European countries going, European nations going into Af- going to the rest of the world, yeah. pillaging, raping, <laughs> forcing people to build things. Yeah. And now, you know, some of the situations in those countries aren't so great. And so those people have to move to yeah. England and France or wherever. I think, you know, that's not a picture that's, that's um, painted. People don't understand it in that way. Well, I mean, it's, I don't think it's like you have to understand. I think the African-American experience is a particularly painful experience. Mm-hmm. And I get the feeling of like mm-hmm. not feeling like someone, like it, I can see how it can hurt that like your people are not given a chance to do this. Mm-hmm. But I think these people did, a, like Chiwetelet Jiafo did a really, and I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a great job in 12 Years a Slave, right? No, definitely. Like, it, and it's interesting because I didn't, I, I don't remember hearing any, um, anyone challenging the fact well, that be, he'd been cast. I think that story was just like, no, I know the story. I mm. saw, I didn't know the story until I went to go see another black movie, The Butler. Oh, <laughs> and I saw the preview and I was like, oh my God, this sounds, this story sounds amazing. And it's based on a true story. And then reading mm. that Harriet Tubman, everybody knows Harriet Tubman. Very true. Everybody learns about her and Martin Luther King at Black History Month. Those are the two people that you know. And so it is. <laughs> It's like, you know, who's going to play Queen Latifah in her life story? you got to be very particular, right? Yeah. Like, we can't just have any you old body. Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting to see. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, Idris Elba played Nelson Mandela. Why did they have a West African instead of a South African? We can yeah. go into all of yeah. those kinds of things. Um, but a there's lot a of lot times when I, I feel like when, when, when Samuel Jackson did that, I, I felt like it kind of, you know, it takes away from the role and it takes away from the significance of the role um, by, by, by coming in and challenging and, you know, saying those kinds of things. Um, but if it's the truth, it's the truth. And that's yeah. how you feel. Yeah. I don't know. I think if it's the truth, it's the truth. If that's how you feel, then, then you should be allowed to say that. And I think that if it's probably, it is probably true because we all, we I mean, all know he, he brought up, he did bring up the, the fact that they, there's some oftentimes cheaper. Um, it's, Oftentimes cheaper to, to get, a, un, get the, someone yeah, who's not well who's known, not in the, who, or who's not from the U.S., um, who's not in Hollywood. Well, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that those kind of commentaries take away. I think that that's the same yeah. thing as like Viola Davis, who you know when she won that award, I, don't, I forgot what it was now, but it was important, and she was the first black one to to win and it. The, the Emmys or Oscar? Yeah. It was either an Emmy or an Oscar, and another white woman on a soap opera was like, "What do you like?" No, why are you oh, talking about that? I remember, that? But the, the lady from General Hospital. Yeah, 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 I know. I was like, oh, my mama watched that show, and I know I liked her character. I don't like her character anymore Alexis before Davis. that. Yes. <laughs> this <laughs> is when you, watch, when you watch too many soaps. Yeah, I mean, whatever. My sisters and everyone has been, like, hardcore about it. But it's the same thing. It's like, okay, that's not your experience. And yeah, so yeah. just because I, that's, that might be a blind spot for me and a privilege that I hold, I think it's important for people to bring that out and say, hey, this is something that's going on. But let's transition to, to our next segment. Um, 
Let's switch gears a little bit and get a little more real with this next segment. Aptly named the chat. Today we're going to talk about what it's like to go to a predominantly white institution as an African dot American. This is going to be interesting. Um, first things first, uh, were you Afri an African dot American or what would you consider yourself as? I mean, we both consider ourselves African dot American, mm. but I think you mean like in college. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> and what was you? I was I just me. I was a black person just trying to get that piece of paper, right? Mm. Like I, I think I came in and I think we should also just disclaimer, Nana and I went to the same college, oh, sure. um, a few years apart. Mm -hmm. Um, and so our experiences are probably going to overlap somewhat, somewhat or at least yeah. the, our points of references yeah. will, will overlap. Yeah. Um, I came in and the African Students Association wasn't very strong. Mm -hmm. Honestly, the, the repres like they didn't do, they didn't have much programming. Mm. It was sort of, oh, that's completely opposite of when I, was I know there. because people, <laughs> my generation revamped it. Not me per se. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Well, I did help, but yeah. like, anyway, I came in and, um, the, the Black Students Association was just more vibrant. Like, they sent me letters. Mm. They gave me, like, a list of, like, tips for before I come to school. Most of the... They were great with that. Yeah. Yeah, they were, I mean, it's like a more established organization. Uh -huh. and, and they were, like, people who had gone to school in America. Mm -hmm. I think the African Student Association was mainly international students. And they just gone on campus, too. Yeah, and they yeah. were trying to orient those... I mean, come on, not, not the people who have been there for three well. years. So, <laughs> I said the organization well, uh, was a little limp. <laughs> was a little... Lackluster. So I'm talking about the folks my year, at least my yeah. first year. Yeah, I mean yeah. like so by your year it was a little bit better. Um I'd say I guess I just I joined the black I was more active in the Black Students Association mm. at first. Um but it was different. Mm. Like Yes, I grew up in Maryland, yes I'm black, yes I grew up in PG County, which is the blackity black county, which I love, but like well, love and hate for certain things. Um, but like eating collard greens and biscuits wasn't like the definition of blackness. And I do think that in college, some of those things, mm -hmm. those cultural markers became more important than anything else. What about you? Yeah, it's, it's something similar to me. I, I, I think I came in, I, I, I came into the, the school, not really being Nana, not really defining myself and. I, I think a huge part of it was because I, I grew up, my I should say my formative years, part of my formative years uh, was spent in Ghana. And I moved here and, you know, moved moved to Howard County where my friends were. All, Every all race. Sorts, yeah, hot pot Very people. multicultural. Um, so I, 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 you know, came into this institution not even thinking, oh, I'm going to be considered black, uh, African-American. You didn't uh, think that? They had a box to check. I didn't. Well, I checked that box, but I didn't think, oh, <laughs> that's a black girl in that dorm. Mm. So when I it was quite a shock, I think when I um, when I when I first when I first uh, went to my dorm, my, my my dorm room, because I I started hearing uh, I, I started hearing rumors of folks talking about, oh, she plays basketball, she's on the basketball team, that's how she's there. I'm like, hold up, you? Yes. I'm like, hold up! I've never even played competitive basketball. Yeah. I played tennis in high school. Um, I, I've never even played basketball competitively. Yeah, I, I would play, you know, shoot some hoops with my brother, but that was it. That was the extent of it. So, what exactly are you even trying to trying to say? Tell them about 
I played basketball. Well, I mean, and that's how I'm there. Right. The implication is that you weren't smart enough to get in, which exactly. is ridiculous. Exactly. Those were the times where I started thinking, oh, these people. Because in my head, I'm just like, oh, I got in off of merit. I'm here. Let's get the ball rolling. I'm excited. And it's like people are viewing you as other that you may not deserve to be here because of your academic abilities. Which is insane because yeah. we definitely have. I've you were, you were one of the top students in your in high your school. school. Yeah. Well, no, you're one of the top applicants, period. Like, yeah. I know people who were legacy who came in and it, they would be like, oh, yeah, I had a 3.0. If I had a 3.0, you would, they wouldn't even consider you. They would have thrown my application yeah. in the trash. Yeah. So I think that that part is hard, right? And that, again, goes back to, like, everybody's viewed as black. And yeah. it's like, eh. I think the other thing with that is that we are African.American. And what I noticed is that, a lot of the people in college who were black were also African.American or, or Caribbean.American, <laughs> right? They were ch- children of African yeah, and Caribbean yeah. immigrants. There weren't that many African-American students. And that annoyed me. I mean, there were. Yeah. But um, do but, you feel like you took a place of, of somebody I don't feel, like that? No, I definitely don't yeah. feel like I took their place. But I feel like the schools, I think, and, I, and just even after growing up, I'm not growing up, going to college, going to grad school. There is this theme of like, well, we have people of this color. And so we can check off that box. Yeah. I think the same thing happens with Asian students, right? Yeah, like, there is a true. lot of representation of East Asians and South Asians, but we don't have Southeast Asian representation, but schools don't care we because we can still check Asian. that box. Yeah. And like, we, we have more than enough Asian people coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that with what's tough with being African.American is that like, you know that there are tons of black students who are smart and who are talented. Who deserve to be there. Who deserve to be yeah. there, but they're not. And part of it is that these schools aren't looking for them. I really don't see th- they're not. And I I feel sad about that because it, it's, it's yeah. I don't feel like I took anyone's place, but I think that there's more room at the table for more diversity, but because schools and not just schools, other kind of programs and institutions are just like, well, you know, we can check off this box. We'll put this person in this category. I know for me, like I was even counted some, I was like on the international student mailing list. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, y'all can't be well, counting wait, me. Where a lot of your friends international students. I know. No, were, they so weren't. I told you, like, I hung I was out with happy. <laughs> I was so in the African American Students Association, so <laughs> yeah. it was kind of weird to be like put into these different pockets. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't. It, I mean, what, did you did you feel the pressure to choose whether to be African in the African American group or in the African group? I I, I know there was no pressure on me of course like you i was sent um i was sent a mailing you know saying by the african-american students association by someone from the african-american students association who happened to be um also Ghanaian of Ghanaian descent which i was very happy to see saying welcome this is what you know Wellesley's all about this is what our group is about coming in i didn't even realize i didn't know i should say that there was an african students association it wasn't until an upper class woman um introduce me to the organization and so i mean again i'm coming in as nana it's like ah these things don't they don't bother me i don't care so i i wasn't even thinking twice about these things but did you feel pressure to choose between the african students association and or the um african-american students i don't i mean i don't know if it was pressure or just like 
I think like your identity goes through different things at different mm. times. Again, very like true. That's an excellent point. I come from a very blackly black county, mm. and uh, college was the first space where I was like in a classroom, mm. and I was the only black person. I remember, I remember the moment where it clicked to me. Mm. I, just, I remember being in sp- it wasn't Spanish class. It was a Christ- it was women in Christianity. I took a religion class, wow. and I was like, why do I feel so weird? I've been feeling weird all this time. <laughs> That's like my econ classes. Yeah, no, but like, well, this class they'd be like, what is the after? What is the Black, you know, what does black oh, theology would, say? And then, and then, then everybody around, will look at you. Guess look what? at me. And I'm like, I'm definitely not the spokesperson of black Christian theology. Um, but then, you know, I did own it and play up to it. I'm like, okay, as a black woman, I, <laughs> I was like, you have oh to get God. that participation grade. Right? Yeah, you know, you got to get your participation grade. You'd be able to give like a, a unique perspective yeah. that adds to the discussion. But it was just like, oh, I'm the only one. And again, we're ticking any box. For me, um, I went, I studied abroad and that was where like, again, like I go from being me from blackity black PG County and being put in this space. It was North Africa, Spain and North Africa, Morocco. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in this space that's like technically African and like has this connection to Africa, but like being very much told that like you're, Another. you're, you're other, you're different, I, you're I less than. I think we went than. to the same study abroad program. Yeah. Did we? No, no. We for did. Spain, Spain. Uh, oh yeah, in Cordoba. Oh, Morocco. Was Morocco was the, well, Spain too, because like yeah. Cordoba, we got there, and I was, it was like, the same. five black people in the whole yeah. town, and you're like, yeah. and three of them and, in the program, and, 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 and a whole lot of the black people are <laughs> prostitutes as well. Well, yeah, well, yeah, that stereotype. Yeah, that, I had that happen in Barcelona a few times, but I still. A mí me encanta España, lo español, y Catalonia. No tengo ninguno problema con ellos. Me encanta también. But like. So there was that. And then I got to Morocco, which I thought would be better. And it was the time when um, a lot of sub-Saharan Africans were going to North... Well, still happening, right? But they're using, like, Libya and worse routes now. So a lot of them were getting stuck because they couldn't go to Spain because Spain was um, ramping up its, like, anti, like, patera. Pateras are little boats that people used to get from North Africa to mm. Europe illegally. Um, so they were ramping up, like, policing of that. And so it was yeah. getting harder for people to get through. And so they would be stuck. And there's a lot of xenophobia there. Um, and I just happened to be, I, I, that was the time that I was there. So I got called all kind of names. The first time I was ever called an N-word was in wow. Morocco, in Moroccan Arabic. So I didn't know for a while. I'm like, oh, I, I hear this word all the time. My teacher's like, Ooh. I'm always thankful for my host mom because she, in, in Spain, she was the one who folks in uh, my, my group were actually going to Morocco. And she told me, Nana, you know, you're the only black, she was frank with me. You're the only black girl. Um, I would not, I would counsel you against going with them. See, I know you'd be very excited. It would be very exciting, but you know, this is what you're going to face. Yeah. I mean, like for me, like I've been to Morocco several times since mm. then. Um, and I had actually been to Morocco before my semester. I'd done a, a program, oh. a January program. And I was there with another. But Af- you didn't experience that when you were no, there. No, they would just be like, how is Africa? And we'd be like, you are an So you tell me this is where you are, but like being there for three months. Um, and also it was just, a lot of different things. So, like, I think being there for three weeks is very different from being there for three and a half months. Yeah, I had a horrible true. whole time. It was just like a lot of things. It wasn't just, but just in terms of racism and discrimination and things like that. Like, yeah. like being there every day and them knowing you and, and like, it, 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 you reach a critical mass of things. But um, because of that experience, that's when I came back my senior year mm. and I was super duper into Africa and I like joined the African Students Association as the social chair. And I was just like, I really liked how quickly like they accepted me. 
Like even if somebody who learned done jack beans <laughs> with them. That was all. what I loved about that group. Yeah. And you could always find a place to fit in. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like the Afri- the, the Black Students Association wasn't were, that they were either. They were also very open. Yeah. It just depended on like the year and like what you were interested in doing. Now you have me sitting here wondering if my study abroad experience, you know, changed my, my Wellesley, the, my perspective of Wellesley. Um, when I came back, I mean, it should. That's what it, it's I mean, it, it did because I did experience a lot of racism in in in, in, in Spain, Spain in Cordoba. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't speak Spanish coming into Wellesley. I'd learned French my entire life, and so I decided, oh, let me go, let me study abroad. Maybe you'll help me with the language, get familiar with the language. And so when I went abroad, I, I thought, you know, a great a great way to get familiar, get more familiar, is to you know do a community service program, participate in one. So I participated in one. I remember the one, it was for kids with cerebral palsy, and one of oh, the oh, you kids, did that one, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the kids. Um, you know, I, I would notice that, you know, the kids' parents would come in and they wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't want to talk to me. But I was very close to some of the kids. Mm-hmm. So one of the kids one day just comes up to me and goes, you're black. You're ugly and you're black. And I'm just, I was standing there flabbergasted. Well, that's like, happened to me, but, but at a bilingual preschool in Washington, D.C. Whoa. Yeah, there was a little El Salvadoran boy who's been there with me for months. He's like, Nama, eres un monkey. Todos los negros son monkeys. So, like, he said, you are a monkey. All black people are monkeys. And walked away. And it was lunchtime. And I remember just, like, having the, the spoon of lentils. You just get shot. It's like the shot. This kid is four years old. That's not... That's not them, right? Yeah. They're getting it from somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. No, but coming back to Wolsey, I think I think when I came back after my junior year, I became more active. I was very involved, I think, in the African Students Association right off the bat. All thanks to one of the alums who who pushed me. Um, <laughs> I say push, but I really I, I was really appreciative that she did. She did that um, to join and to participate. But I think was I, that was that me. No. Girl, it was not you. Should I be mentioning names on here? No, don't be, don't be me. Don't, don't, don't drop names. No, but she, I, I think coming back, I think that was when I started, you know, going to more meetings and being more involved and making an effort um, to show up to things, to show up to, to events. You seemed so like you so were that. involved your first year. Your first year I was, was involved, my senior year. I was involved in the effort, but I was just, I would just show up and I wasn't really participating I should say it was just oh to show up to show up while I was okay. there, and then you and don't. I have I had a lot of friends who were in the African African American Students Association, so it was like oh, so so and so it's going oh I'll come with, but I I wasn't participating like I was in the African Student Org. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's sort of like it's what it is, right? You're always going to have to try and navigate those different things. Yeah. But um, we're going to wrap up this segment of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably touch on these themes again and again, right? Of course. Um, in yeah. subsequent episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to go to the final segment of the show that we're calling Spotlight, where we bring on an African.American to talk about another new topic. Mm-hmm. Today, it's dating. And we Ooh, have a guest. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, we have a guest, Felice, yeah. who's pretty awesome. And she will share a little bit about what it's like to be single and ready to mingle when your parents come from Africa, but you were raised in America. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm very excited to hear about Felice's experience. <laughs> Hi, so we're back with our spotlight section. And as promised, today we're going to be talking about dating. And we have our special guest, Felice. Um, I'm going to jump right into it. So 
first question for you, basic question actually, what's your name and where did you grow up? Okay, so my name is Felice and I always like to say I grew up substantially in Chicago. Um, so I was born here on vacation, um, but my parents divorced when I was five. So we were living in Michigan at that time and then we moved back down to Chicago and I've been here pretty much ever since. I did a stint in New England for college and then um, a stint in California for grad school. Awesome. What do you mean born here on vacation? Just to, <laughs> your parents, <laughs> your parents were on vacation and like your mom's water broke? Yeah, sort of like that. Um, I'm a November baby, so my was born like right before Thanksgiving while my mom was just here for the holidays. Aww. So my dad had to like rush, you know, down from Michigan because he wasn't, you know, here yet um, in Chicago because he was still working up in Michigan. So. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> so, um your family then, just to be clear, your mom is African-American and your dad is African? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my mom is African-American and then my dad is Nigerian. And um, they met in college. So my dad was here, you know, he came straight from his hometown um, in Lagos and he went to college in Chicago and met my mom there. Oh. Awesome. So now we're going to ask something that's a little bit more dating specific, right? Mm -hmm. If your dating life was a movie title, what would it be? <laughs> so, you know, I really like to think that it's more eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Nice. But <laughs> in reality, I would say the last yeah. maybe five years, it's been more like dirty, rotten scoundrels. Ooh, that's a, that's a really good so, <laughs> I, mean, I always think if it's mine, it'd be Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events. But, you know... <laughs> We can hope for better. We can oh hope God. for better. <laughs> What's one major consideration you make in dating that's been influenced by, like, your African parents? Yeah. So my mom has probably always been just like, you know, whoever you bring home is fine. But my dad, you know, he had sort of two pieces of advice for me. So the first piece came when I was in college. And he was kind of like, you know, if you meet a guy who wears jeans and has glasses, maybe, and it's just a skinny kid, just, you know, working hard, doing well in school, don't, don't discount that guy. Maybe That's give him advice. a chance. Very true. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I kind of took that to heart because, I mean, literally, even to this day, I still kind of date more of the, the studious type than anything. And then I think the second piece was that, you know, that uh, I would date someone, um, not only just Nigerian, but also from my dad's tribe in Nigeria. So I really preferred that I would date, you know, another Yoruba man. Um, but did that happen? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like to say I gave it the college try. <laughs> like, I did a good two years of of dating um, different Nigerian men, and it just it just didn't work out. You try, it, was all, it was an honest good try. It was an honest effort, and nobody can blame you. So, If you don't mind me good. asking, why did you decide against kind of Nigerian men, or why have you stayed away from Nigerian men? 
Um, it wasn't more of like, oh, I'm going to stay away from Nigerian men in particular. It spoke more to the individuals mm-hmm. that I was dating than the culture, you know, in general. So I, I like to think that that's what it was. Like one guy was just, you know, I don't even have the words. He was inconsistent with communication. Mm-hmm. I think another guy kind of told me that I think on the second date or something, he told me that, you know, Asian women are the greatest. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. So when when he said that, I was like, okay, I I don't think this is going to work out. Right. Um, And then of course, you know, in addition to that, there were quite a few liars and two timers, (laughs) but again, you know, that's men in general. It's it's an all men thing. Yeah. Nana's over there laughing, whatever. (laughs) You know the truth. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how would you describe your family's attitudes towards dating a Marian and African-American? And again, we know that like half of your family is African-American, so. Yeah, so my mom's side, um, I think because, you know, my mom uh, dated and married my dad, she's more open to it. And um, her best friend is also, you know, um, is African-American. And she married a Nigerian um, guy as well, oh. Yoruba guy. And, you know, everyone loves him. So my mom was just, like, really welcoming. Um, but my dad, you know, I think, I still think he harbors, like, a lot of hope, you know, that I'll find a Nigerian um, Yoruba man or even if he's not Yoruba at least maybe a Nigerian because my cousin got married um back in May and we went to the wedding and it was just such a big show of like culture and everything Mm -hmm. and I could tell that that was something that my dad was really wanting to you know to have with his daughters um (laughs) you know it's hard to kind of put that stipulation when you're not meeting you know necessarily a a really great Nigerian guy so right right well what about um dating Africans from another part of the continent (laughs) like I know your dad Um, seems to be like pro-Nigerian but what about you know a guy from Kenya, a white South African, like <laughs> an Indian from Zambia or Zambian of Indian descent. Yeah, well, I think a couple years ago, uh, there was a time where I I did date, uh, I think, two or three um, guys from East Africa, um, from Ethiopia. And <laughs> when my dad found out, I expected him to be like more, you know, happy because, you know, at least they were African, but he right. just... You know, sometimes I don't even know if it's just immaturity or whatever, but my dad was just kind of like, oh, he had negative things to say about people from that part of the country and or the world. And I'm just like, oh, come on, dad. Like, like work just, with me. I'm trying to get you somebody. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he he didn't really approve of all that. And, you know, after a while, I just sort of, you know, moved on to the next guy and, and whatnot. So what about, so okay, people from East Africa seem to be, there's some, there's some challenges there, but what about pe- other people from other parts of West Africa? Like Nigeria is not, or is he just Nigerian born and bred is what I really want from my kids. Um, I'm not 
sure, actually. So I've never, I don't think I've ever dated anyone um, that was from other parts of West Africa. And I don't think it ever really came up. Um, I think, you know, at this stage, so I'm, I'm 31 now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my dad at this stage, you know, I've seen like the trend, sort of like the progression of his expectations. And now it's just kind of like, well, can he at least be black? Like, I mean, now I think he would be a lot op- more open to it because like I said, I guess, you know, getting up there in age, if you will. I, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Been through the ropes of that. What about, um, oh, what about white? Okay, so your dad is, like, at least black or at least African. But what about <laughs> white people or Asian? Yeah, so the funny thing is I'm one of three. Um, so I have an older sister and I have a younger sister. Um, my older sister, you know, she dated exclusively white guys for a long time. So, you know, my dad has been through. <laughs> he's been he's, used to that. Yeah, he's he's let us know that, you know, white men are not welcome in our family. And it's it's unfortunate, but that's that's his point of view. Um, my mom's family is, is still, you know, very accepting. One of my aunts, her longtime partner is white. My mom's um my mom's second husband was white as well. So it's it's really not a big deal on my mom's side. I guess the the literal like sole opposer is is, you know, my dad. Um and then my younger sister is dating a Vietnamese guy and it's still, you know, the same <laughs> the thing. Same. Like my dad he just wants I don't know if he's super happy about it, but my my mom's family couldn't be more pleased. Like they love the guy. So Oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if your dad just kind of feels a little outnumbered because, you know, he's like the only, like, Nigerian rep <laughs> in your circle. That may um, be it, you know, but I think despite the fact that my younger sister is dating, you know, um, a Vietnamese guy, she's really, really interested in, like, uh, having, like, a traditional wedding and everything. Oh, so so get that I think hopefully that will bring him, you know, over bring to him around. Yeah. What about you? Is that what you're, I mean, regardless of who you sort of, you, you end up with, will y'all do the, you know, you know, get featured in like the Nigerian wedding magazine with the big like head wraps, the, you know, the beads. Are the beads a Yoruba thing? That might be an Evo thing. The red red beads. Evo. Evo, yeah. Might be. Um, I'm, I'm on the fence. Right, because uh, right now none of us are married. So, you know, my older sister's not married. My younger sister's not married. Um, I'm, you know, I've been with my boyfriend for almost a year, like ten or eleven months. It's it's a hard subject to to broach because while I would really really love to sort of showcase my culture in that way, I just, you know, I. I don't really want to pay for a big extravagant wedding. Well, he can pay for it. I think my dad would pay for it. But, you know, (laughs) still, just the planning and doing, I I don't know if that's really my style. And then, you know, there's this whole piece, um, 
with, you know, my mom not being Nigerian. So it would be really hard to just sort of find someone that would help me navigate all that. Um, but I do have aunties and I'm sure that they would help. It's just, yeah. for me, it's, it's a big maybe, but um, I'm hoping, you know, that my, that my younger sister will get married first and kind of like do the big <laughs> traditional thing. And then I can just kind of like have something simple. Um, but we'll see. Cause I know, I know from my cousin's wedding that my dad is is really starting to look forward to having a real kind of like big fabulous shindig because yeah you know that's that's his style so I feel like with families no matter who it is right it's sort of like the wedding sometimes is almost not about the bride or the groom it is yeah. sometimes really about the parents and like the five hundred people that they want to show you off to. Um, or that they want to come and celebrate with you on your behalf, yeah, it's, whether it's, or not you know them, <laughs> <laughs> whether or not the structure you want. But it's a you celebration know. and a way to bring everybody together. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, good so, good time. luck with that. We hope for the best. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest misconception people have about like being like having an African parent and like your choice of partner? Um, I think the biggest thing has been, um, maybe people having the expectation that I'm just, that I'm looking for like that, that perfect, you know, that perfect guy that's, you know, educated, smart with the washboard abs, you know, (laughs) six feet tall, good looking, and also, you know, Yoruba and, and I think, (laughs) You know, for me, that could, that's probably like farthest from the case. Like I always like to look at individuals and I'm not a big stickler on, you know, outside appearances. I'm really all about the inside and who you are, what your values are and, and, you know, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you like to do? You know, who are you when no one's watching? I'm, I'm more so like focused on the person than then, you know, meeting like that perfect, you know, Elba looking, you know, even though he's not a Nigerian, just, but I, I, I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Sort of like the, the dude that looks good in the traditional costume and that like, you know, understands the culture and everything and also mm-hmm. happens to be a doctor or engineer and speak the, the language perfectly and all that kind of stuff. I, I, yeah. am, I am curious to to know whether or not your dad would embrace a man of Yoruba descent um, who doesn't speak the language, doesn't really, you know, doesn't really know the culture, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would be interested to know what he would say about, about such a man. I would too. Yeah. I'm, you know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to say because, you know, when I think back to, the partners um that some of my cousins have chosen recently um like my cousin that I went to the wedding she married um a guy I don't think believe he was Yoruba but he did grow up in Nigeria and he spoke the language my cousin also speaks the language too um or I should say languages because both of them you know speak Yoruba and then they speak um a couple other languages and, you know, seeing my dad sort of like converse with them and everything, you could tell that that was something that he really valued. Um, mm-hmm. 
And um, I have another cousin who lives in um, California and he married a white woman. And my dad, you know, he supported the wedding and everything, but he was just, <laughs> he was a little beside himself. <laughs> oh, no. Your cousin, I mean, he's in California and there's not that many black people, period. And there's probably even yeah. fewer Nigerians. So, I mean. I mean, he, he's not that different from a lot of African parents. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you, what advice do you, would you give to another African dot American who's trying to navigate today's waiting, dating world? What should they keep in mind? Um, okay. So I have a lot of advice. <laughs> but Bring it on. Good. Good. Let me, My let me main thing notes. is like, A, it, it's crazy out there, but also, you know, I, I like to say, don't be afraid um, to claim the love that you feel that you deserve um, I'm also big on don't let anyone tell you that there's something wrong with you or that you're unlovable. You know, I think we all go through trials and tribulations, but you know, as long as you are committed to working on yourself, I, I still think that you should be able to recognize that you're a person, you know, deserving of love. And then my last piece is, you know, really never settle for anyone that isn't going to treat you right. Um, yes. One of the good things about my boyfriend is that he showed me that he's really committed to making me happy and really making my dreams come true. And like this last year has been so great um, because of that. So, you know, don't be afraid to just say, nope, I don't want, you know, I don't want that. Move on to the next one. So great. Awesome advice. Thank you so much, Felice, for sharing your stories and your experiences with us. No problem. That's the show for today. Thank you, Felice, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you soon. Yeah.